Okay, so it's uh, June 15th, day 712 of lockdown, and gosh, it's hot here. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so hot, it's making me say things like, gosh, uh, these are more of my unfiltered, uncensored, unedited thoughts straight from my brain directly to you. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, let's talk about improv, shall we? Uh, it's, it's weird considering it's my job, how little I've talked about improv in this. Uh, I mean, a big part of that is that the main time I talked about improv was I talked about my grief at not being able to at not being able to perform improv in front of live audiences. So maybe it's not that surprising that I'm not talking about it much. But um, I will say over the weekend, uh, I finished watching Dark. It's the ending is wild. <laughs> like as far as endings go, that one's pretty. Crazy, uh, and I started rewatching The Americans with my flatmate, and um, man, that show was so good. And I'm saying that, and the first, knowing that the first season is not as good as it gets, it gets so like that show gets so much more confident, and it starts off very confident, <laughs> but it gets so like it's tense, but it's not got to the levels of me like digging my fingernails into the couch yet but that'll happen I know but yeah uh, and also I mean I've been watching other stuff for instance yesterday uh, before watching the Americans uh, I watched the second of the three Middle Ditch and Schwartz uh, improv specials on Netflix uh, hence why I want to talk about improv a bit specifically I'd like to talk about improv on TV uh, I'll start with Middle, Middle Ditch and Schwartz uh, Watch the second one, it made me laugh. They're two funny men uh, doing some funny improv, and it made me laugh. The first one I laughed a lot more at. Uh, the second one, uh, <laughs> the second one reminded me a lot of improv that I have done. <laughs> I don't know if that's a positive thing or a negative thing, uh, but it had that sort of. I mean, they're quite anarchic, which is interesting, because, like, the show that I, I do most often, the spontaneous uh, Potter and spontaneous Sherlock shows, they're very anarchic shows. Like, we will react to anything, we'll go anywhere, like, and it's sometimes quite fast, sometimes quite silly, sometimes quite, like, bizarre references. Like, there's a bit in the second, Midorition Schwartz, I don't feel like I can, I don't feel like I can really spoil an improv show, where <laughs> one of them is doing a voice and suddenly realises that he sounds like Werner Herzog and I think I've literally said in an improv show before and I sound like Werner Herzog uh, I think I've literally said that line so that was weird <laughs> uh, and it's good, right? it's good fun and hey, people are giving money to people to do long form improvised comedy on a on a global platform. That's pretty good. Let's talk about improv on TV. Um, if you're not an improviser, I just said the, the phrase long form improv. And that's, that's probably baffling to you. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. Because I've got a theory on it. So let's talk about uh, improv on TV. Uh, when I say improv on TV, everyone thinks exactly the same thing. Like, every single person of a certain age 
thinks exactly the same thing, and rightly so, you think of whose line is it anyway. Uh, improv as an art form has grown and evolved so much since the 90s, and yet, and yet, when selling our show at the Edinburgh Fringe, inevitably, one or all of us will say, uh, you know, like, whose line is it anyway, to describe what improvisation is. That's how ingrained into the cultural, like, fabric whose lens anyway was. And I was obsessed with it as a kid. I remember sneaking through to my brother's room. My brother's, they both, they slept, they, had, they shared a room uh, at our house in Gulston. Uh, and lying in between their two beds. Uh, so that if mum came in, or, or she wouldn't see me because I was outside. She always did, that's fine. <laughs> to watch on Channel 4, Whose Lines Anyway. I specifically remember watching Whose Lines Anyway. I'd watch other stuff, but that's the thing that I most specifically remember watching there. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, rewatching it, still super fun. Whose uh, Lines Anyway started in 1988 on TV in the UK, I think. Uh, there was a radio series before that. And it was initially uh, started on TV as um, two things. One, there was a group of the comedy store players who were all, uh, who were mostly taught like sort of improv by Mike Myers when he was living over in London, and uh, he set up the comedy store. He he, he you know, taught some of the comedians around the comedy store uh, like improv that that specific style of improv. <laughs> Uh, I, that's how I understand it. If you were there and you're listening and you want to correct me, go ahead. But that's the ba- as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm aware, that's the basics. Uh, around about that time as well, um, on the radio, Stephen Fry and John Sessions were looking for like a, a show. There was a, like the radio, radio two knew they wanted to have them have to have a show, but didn't know what to do. So Dan Patterson, who's the producer, and remains the producer of his line anyway, sort of meshed these things together. So it was initially created as a vehicle for Stephen Fry and John Sessions uh, to like show off how funny and clever they are. And they are very funny and clever people. But here's the interesting thing. If you rewatch uh, the first series of his lines anyway, by this point Stephen Fry has sort of stepped away a bit. He's in like two episodes and one of them is I think because of a contractual obligation and one of them is because he wanted to work with Peter Cook who is in the first series of his line is it anyway which is wild and John Sessions is so clearly meant as the vehicle for it that the title sequence is John Sessions doing different bits right and here's the thing they are very funny men uh, they're very funny, very Radio 4. Uh, I said Radio 2 earlier. I meant Radio 4. How wild is that that I made that mistake? Of course it was Radio 4. Uh, <laughs> they're very Radio 4 comedy. They're very, you know, erudite, very witty, very English, very um, smart, very clever. What they are not, and this is an interesting thing, is trained improvisers. See, so watch those early... Uh, episodes and you'll see like John Sessions and then you'll see like Paul Merton, Neil Malarkey um, 
uh, like 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 lots of people, right? People who are still doing improv now, who, right, and are still with the comedy store players now, turning up, and they're doing improv, and that's the difference. And as it carried on, like, um, who's doing it anyway? Ended up getting like as famously ended up uh, bringing over some uh, improvisers from America and Canada. Uh, brought over people like Greg Brooks, Chip Aston, Brad Sherwood, and then oh, <laughs> uh, Colin Mockery, Ryan Styles, and Wayne Brady. <laughs> right, and that's when it changed. Right, uh, I mean this this wasn't. Um, a sudden immediate change, like it's quite a gradual thing, and then they started filming uh, episodes in America. For what I gather, part of the reason for that is because Ryan Styles, who had become a huge part of the show, and I think by that point had already become a producer on the show, uh, doesn't like flying, uh, so he would have to. I think he was literally getting the boat over to the UK, and they were like, "Well, why don't you just come to us?" There's loads of improvisers in America, um, and so that's how that worked. That's just, I think that's a part of history of it. Uh, and then they, they filmed the last two series in the US, and then it stopped. Clive Anderson no longer hosted it, it's no longer in the, in the UK. It continued on in the US for many years after that, with Drew Carey hosting until it was cancelled. Then it returned, uh, not that long ago really, although I say that, I think it was like, now, like 10 years ago, with Aisha Tyler hosting. Now, Whose Lines Anyway is a, uh, was a fantastic show for me growing up, and I still rewatch episodes of it, and I still love it. However, a couple of things. Whose Lines Anyway is a very specific type of improv. It is specifically uh, gag-heavy short-form improv. Now, this is what I see. I said long-form improv earlier, uh, <laughs> so that I could say short-form improv now. Short-form improv is what it sounds like. It is short, like, scenes of improv bookended by somebody introducing what's going to happen. So, like, somebody will tell you, hey, this is a game where this happens, uh, can we get a suggestion from the audience? We see that game, if somebody goes, and that scene, or there's a buzzer, or there's some concept where they give it points, right? <laughs> that's, that's, and then, then they, they pause for that, uh, there's a little break, a little pause where they explain the next game, and then we move on. It's in short, sharp bursts, and that works really well on television, especially in America and on Channel 4, where you need ad breaks. <laughs> uh, and, like, uh, for editing purposes, like, I know for a fact they'd film like four hours of Who's Line, Who's Line a Day and they cut it down into like two half hour shows, right? Uh, like, they cut out a lot of stuff, and that's something that's easy to do in short form. You literally just cut out that game. Uh, it's a f very easy format because that's the thing. Like improv on it, and also it's easier, I think, for a production company, a TV production company, to understand what that is, because that's how we do. Um, that's how they do, like uh, panel shows, right? They film much more than they need and cut it down. Uh, like, uh, those are scripted more than, like, with occasional off-the-cuff ad-libs. But it's not the same as improv, right? But it's the same idea. You can cut it down from a thing. 
uh, of course it doesn't always work and uh, I'll t yeah I think I'll talk about this <laughs> in the sort of 2000, around 2010-2011 there was an attempt made two, two attempts made in the UK to sort of bring improv back onto TV I, I this coincides like with the re-emergence of improv at the Edinburgh Fringe as like a a big seller right like with people like Showstopper and Ostentatious and Baby Wants Candy and uh, you know Paul Myers and Pro Chums have always done well they did like this, this has been like the Who's Lines Anyway reunion stuff uh, which w originally wasn't called that then was again you know there's, there's a like I started doing improv about 2008-2009 uh, and I saw this all happening now these two things there was one as a pilot on Dave called Improvisation My Dear Mark Watson yeah, yeah I know that is a terrible name. It is a pun on elementary, my dear Watson, but not really. And it was hosted by Mark Watson, who is a stand-up comedian uh, and I love. And he's presented things I love. Like he had a series of radio shows, uh, Mark Watson Makes the World Better, fantastic, uh, and various other shows along those lines. He hosted uh, a show that I talked about already on this uh, audio log called We Need Answers. Uh, and as you know, part of the No More Jockeys thing. Great. I like Mark Watson a lot. Uh, it also had guests like Josie Long, uh, Izzy Sooty, you know? Um, like, really funny people. Uh, really good actors, you know? Like Rufus Hound, Charlie Baker, like. They're not, I, I put them after because I don't like them as much, but I'm, you know, they're very solid entertainers, right? They're, they are solid light entertainers, and both of them have like done musicals and stuff. Like they're, they're, they know what they're doing. The thing they are not uh, is improvisers. Um, and they were doing improv games that I recognised, but they were stand-ups or actors or character comedians doing improv and it's and it didn't work I think by everyone's admission <laughs> that show didn't work cut to like a year later on BBC2 Dan Patterson you remember him the guy who produced and created although I always find that very strange the idea he created his lines anyway I've heard that said I'm like he didn't like these are all old I like a lot of the games go back as far as like Violet Bones the, if the <laughs> improvisation for theatre, you know. A lot of the games were created by like Keith Johnson. A lot of the games were created by people who are not Dan Patterson, <laughs> you know. They are old games. Sometimes given new skins or new props or new silly stuff. Talking of new props, new silly stuff. Dan Patterson created a show called Fast and Loose. Fast and Loose was essentially whose lines anyway, but instead of four people, he had six people. <laughs> And instead of Clive Anderson, you had Hugh Dennis. And instead of just doing a bunch of improv scenes, they interspersed some weird stuff. Like bits where the, the, the six contestants or players, <laughs> uh, performers, would sort of dance around for a second until they delivered a one-liner. 
But that's a, you know, that's fine. That's a sort of, I guess that's an update of a classic improv short form thing of like line games, is what I always called them. They're, uh, they've got other names like, what are their games were like World's Worst from Mock the Week, uh, which by the way is produced by Dan Patterson, um, is a classic example of, and also they played World's Worst on. Anyway, you know, and um, you know, it's a classic improv game, but it's never been my style. But I, I mean, I say that I used to do it when I was at university, but I just it's not the kind of improv that I like doing as much now because it's sort of it's coming up with a joke rather than improvising a scene, and that's fine. It's a great skill. It's just not a skill that I'm hugely good at. I'm not a stand-up. They also had things like animations. Uh, on screen, uh, for they had uh, a bit, a bit. They had like sound effects where like they did rewind, and it was like a big voice thing that said rewind and everything lit up. They had a, the sideways scene, which is uh, the camera films you from above as you act out a scene, but it's difficult because you're lying down, which is funny, but it's like. Pretty one note, and they did it in I think every episode, and then they did a thing, which is so weird to me. Uh, there's a comedian called David Armand who does a character called Johan Lipovitz, <laughs> who um, interprets classic songs for the deaf as the concert. So he he signs in inverted commas along with songs for comedic value. They're very funny. Uh, his one with uh, one of Torn by Natalie Imbruglia is brilliant, especially at the Secret Policeman's Ball where he performs it with Natalie Imbruglia, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but they did a, th- a thing in this show, Fast and Loose, which is an improv show. Well, they get two of the performers to put on headphones while uh, David Arman. Uh, performed his, his like uh, interpretation for the deaf of these songs. You've probably noticed the odd thing here, which is that's not improv in any way. <laughs> that is very heavily scripted and planned. Like what he does is very funny, but it's very prepared and very planned. So why is that on the show? And I think it comes down to the fact that David Armand. Uh, like <laughs> they wanted to put David Armand or something and they didn't know where to put him so they put him on that it's also part of the issue that it had which it didn't have as much as um, improvisation with your Mark Watson because uh, I had people like um, Pepe Evans uh, Ruth Bratt David Reed, Humphrey Carr uh, Jonathan Mangum Wayne Brady People who are improvisers, people who are really good improvisers. And then it had people like uh, Laura Solon, who I love, uh, Greg Davis, who's a very, very funny man he's on Taskmaster, etc. Oh, I've actually, I'll talk about Taskmaster at some point on one of these because I've, I've started getting into it. Uh, Mark Larwood, who was in We Are Clang, a sketch comedy group with um, Greg Davis. Justin Edwards, fantastic character comedian. Um, Interestingly, again though, a lot of those people, not improvisers, and again, you could tell, like, I was two years into my improv career at this point, 
And I was watching this show going, I know why this doesn't work. I can see the scenes that do work. And it's like the scenes where they just let Ruth Bratt and Pepper Evans, who know each other very well, uh, Justin, Justin Edwards was on it as well. <laughs> like any, not Justin Edwards, um, what do I mean? Um, uh, God, I totally blanked. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I brought up someone who'd already been on it. But yeah, sorry, uh, which interrupted my point. And when he just let improvisers improvise together, especially ones who had improvised together a lot before, it really worked. And then sometimes, then they'd be, then you'd get two really good improvisers lying on the floor doing a scene, and it just looked difficult. <laughs> or you'd have two really good improvisers and one really funny comic who kept not improvising or not. Does, does okay? Improv has a sort of. There's a skill to improv, right? I mean, I teach improv. <laughs> it would be ridiculous for me to teach it if there wasn't a skill to it. There's, it's something that you practice, it's something you hone, it's something you constantly strive to get better at. It's something that has... There are... not, And there's different ways into it, but there are ways of thinking about it that help, that make you a better improviser, that help you understand how to improvise with someone. And... It's a very common thing in this country, and it happened for a long time, and I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like improv. Because that happened a lot in the 90s. <laughs> I saw some of it when I was younger, because I was like, oh, it's like, who's saying anyway? I remember going to the, the first time I went to the Fringe, and I was like, oh, I'll just go to this improv show. And this is when I was vaguely interested in getting into improv, into improv and it was terrible. And I've since seen some of the people involved in that show do stand-up, and they're hilarious. And I think... This tendency of just going, oh, well, I'm funny, and this looks like it would be an easy piss about free fringe show, has been a huge problem. <laughs> Which brings us to Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Um, Middle Ditch and Schwartz are, people, are two, Thomas Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz, by the way, in case you're not sure, are two very funny men, uh, both successful actors uh, in DV. Uh, I love Ben Schwartz and like Parks and Recreation and House of Lies. Uh, and other things that he's turned up in. Really good. Uh, Thomas Middleditch, I've not really seen as much of. I watched a bit of Silicon Valley, but it's a bit too did bro, like, heavy for me. So I stopped. DJ uh, Miller's in it as well, and that's the whole thing. Um, but they're clearly funny men, and they're clearly men who love, who've performed together a lot. And you can tell that. And they are doing long form improv. Long form improv as opposed to short form improv is basically like one longer show. Uh, but it's complicated because long form improv shows can sometimes be 20 minutes, whereas short form improv shows are usually like 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> but in this case, it's an hour long long form narrative improv show. They get a suggestion, the two of them play all the characters, and they play out a scene in a world. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too bogged down into the what they're actually doing, uh, but that's what they're doing, right? And it's kind of the first time I've ever seen like long form improv like that on TV in this way. Uh, TJ and Dave, who are an amazing uh, improv duo from Chicago, had a documentary called Trust Us This Is All Made Up, which is a documentary slash concert film. If you get it. so, it's like it's a, it opens with um, 
interviews with them, going about their daily business, uh, talking about like stuff, <laughs> uh, some of which makes it into the show, which is really, I find, fascinating, because of course it does. Uh, and then there's a concert of their, them performing a show. But that's like an independently funded uh, documentary, which is very difficult to find. <laughs> I think it's on Vimeo, and I think they filmed other shows since then. And a lot of people have filmed shows. You know, you can find filmed cage matches. Uh, the Nostrade in London filmed a bunch of their shows for a while. But what the difference is here is that it's huge. Prof- it's lots of professional camera crews catching the action, <laughs> and you can tell. Right, the production quality, the production values are just much higher. The only thing I've seen like this is actually, interestingly, a thing that uh, they did between before I think season four or season five of House of Lies, where Ben Schwartz organised a thing called House of Lies Live, where he performed at the UCB Theatre in LA. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, it'd be in LA. That's where the <laughs> that's where um they filmed the show House of Lies. So it was him, a bunch of improvisers who had guested on the show, so Eugene Cordero and Lauren Lapkus, a couple of other people, uh, Ryan Gall, yep. Uh, you know, like people who are like solid improvisers, Ben Schwartz himself was a solid improviser, and then the big, and one of the fun twists is they also had Kristen Bell and Don Cheadle, the two stars of the show House of Lies, had done some improv classes uh, to do this improv show. And that's a half hour show. I think it's probably cut down slightly. Um, but essentially, it's just a like a I think it's a half hour, half hour forty five minute show, which is just that filmed. And I have watched that so many many times. <laughs> I quote it sometimes, just in my everyday life. Uh, just whenever I see Louise, Louise Guzman, I quote Eugene Cadero being, uh, "My name is Louise Guzman." <laughs> Which is, because out of context, not funny. In context, very funny. And, uh, it makes me wonder if this is a thing that is now a thing, right? <laughs> if, uh, because it's funny, because when it was first released uh, on the, a, an improv, a women's improv group that I'm part of on Facebook, uh, and the post was, has anyone watched the, the shows with the two men, the, <laughs> the improv with the two men in it yet? Uh, and it's like, yeah, that is unfortunate and indicative of how the Hollywood system works and how Netflix and TV system works and how, everyth- how all of that machine works. That the first of these long-form improv like specials, uh, hopefully the first of many, is two cisgender straight white men. Of course it is. <laughs> Right? I, I laugh because, ugh. <laughs> but part of me is like, oh, my, my brain immediately went to uh, Wild Horses, who I've mentioned before, or an all-female group. Um, an all-female group, why is it like that? An all-women group. Um, and like, Stephanie Allen, uh, Mary Holland, and Whitehead, and especially Lauren Lapkus, are all around about the same level of fame as Ben Schwartz or Tom Middleditch, right? And their shows... I have seen them, like, recorded, badly recorded, or pod in podcast form, or over the Zoom chat thing they've been doing, are hilarious, and this would work so well. Uh, I've never seen, uh, like, uh, there's a group called Three Pete, uh, who everyone raves about, I would love to see, put them on, 
because we're going to get London groups. Uh, there's, there's dozens, of, dozens of amazing people. Like put them on. I hope it's the start of something. Because, uh, because you know, I'm fed up of telling people. <laughs> hey, what do you? What's 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 what kind of show is this? Well, you know whose name's anyway. I'm fed up of saying that. Oh, on that note as well, um, I'm going to plug a show. Not a show I'm in, uh, but a show. I saw the first show of this group, like the first ever show, as a group. Like, not, they're all very experienced, very talented improvisers. Uh, but they've got another one, which is a Zoom show, um, by a group called Hell Yeah, all in capitals, uh, who are performing live this Friday, Friday the. Friday the 17th at 9 o'clock I want to say yes uh, as part of the Reading Fringe Festival uh, it's all online it's all free I'll probably put a link in the description of this uh, even though it's not a podcast and this is not a podcast I would still do video I still do descriptions and I can put links of things <laughs> uh, because I loved that first show it's one of the like I say I've struggled to watch a lot of improv during lockdown and that their first show was one I did not struggle to watch it made me laugh a lot so I recommend this one um yeah anyway I've probably this is probably the longest one of these I've ever done because when you start me talking about improv that's what happens um and ah man I know that everyone of these shows that I've mentioned nobody's trying to make a bad show right Everyone's trying to make a good show, and there's some great stuff in them. I just think if we let improv be improv and just film it, to me, I think that's probably the best way around. Rather than to try and beat improv into a format we can we can squeeze into improv. Maybe that's why Netflix is the best thing for it, right? Because <laughs> you don't have to worry about advertisers or uh, breaks. Streaming, uh, maybe will save us all. <laughs> okay, so uh, stay safe, stay well, stay home, or at the very least wear a mask, uh, stay educated about other stuff in the world, stay informed, like, don't stop fighting, because there's still so much fighting to be done, and uh, if you are... Um, a TV producer or like producer for like a, a large streaming thing and you want me to do an improv show call me I will I would I would do it in a heartbeat even if it's with like even if I have to do an improv scene with Katie Hopkins I would do that on stage that's how much I desperately want to do improv again my name has been Marjai thank you very much and goodbye